We're actually in our last week of Vision Month. Yay, everyone's like stoked we've been this forever. Um, normally we do Vision Sunday. It's just one Sunday that we give the vision where we believe God's calling us as a church, all three churches, part of the New Life family. But this year we really sensed that God was doing something new. That God really wanted us to slow down and actually speak through the four lenses or four priorities we believe God's calling us, not just for next year, but for the next five to ten years. So if you've missed any of these three weeks prior to this one, I'd really encourage you to go to our YouTube channel, go to our church website. You can download the sermons there because we want everyone to be on the same page. Like if you call New Life Cool and get a home, it's really good if you knew the vision for us as a church and but also for you individually because we believe this is a direction that Jesus is calling us into as a church. And when I say as a church, I mean us as the church, not just New Life, the church denomination or the church is part of a denomination, but individually, each and every one of us. And the four lenses and priorities that we're moving towards are gather the lost, glue into community, grow as disciples, and go on mission. Which makes me ask the question, if we're called into this vision together as the church, where are you on this journey? Where are you on the journey of gather, glue, grow, or go? You might be sitting here today, and I'm part of the gather, Like, I've just come to church for the first time. I don't even know this Jesus you're talking about. You are more than welcome here. We love having new people here as part of New Life Coolangatta. So please feel welcome as part of our community as you're just discovering what faith is. You might be in the place where you're going, no, I want to make New Life Coolangatta my home. So you want to glue into community. You want to commit to Sunday services or small groups or serving in our community. You're in that glue stage. You might be sitting there and you go, I'm actually in the grow stage. I really believe God is calling me deeper into discipleship, deeper into understanding of his love and his mercy and his grace. I believe God is calling me into discipleship or discipling someone else. And then you might be sitting there and you might, I'm actually on the go stage. I feel like God wants to use my gifts and talents for his glory, whether that be here in this church or somewhere else. And here's the thing, if you're in the gather stage or the glue stage, don't tap out as I talk about go today. Because as disciples of Jesus, we're all called to go on mission in some form or way. And the scripture that I've preached on for all three messages across this series, and including today, is Matthew 28, because I believe it encapsulates all of our vision. It encapsulates gathering, gluing, growing and going. And today is all about go. Matthew 28, 18 says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, I just thank you so much for your word. And Lord, I thank you that you actually commission us and call us to go with the good news of the gospel out into the world. Lord, I pray that you would help me preach this word today. You would help me preach it with grace and truth and love. Lord, in the end, that they wouldn't look to me, but they'd only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I remember when I was sort of in the the glue stage of of coming to new life. I came to faith later in my life as an adult, and I came to faith at new life at Rabina, and I was saved there, and I was in this stage of really gluing into the community. And I remember Stu Cameron, the lead minister, 
He preached a message about going on mission, about sharing the gospel, about sharing your faith with people. And I remember sitting up in the back corner going, this guy has no idea what my life is like. I was actually offended. I'm like, he doesn't know where I work. I work on the wharves. I work at the docks. You don't talk about that stuff at the docks. Like people will terrorize you. They'll abuse you. You'll get into fights. Like you just don't do that. How can he stand up there and tell me that I've got to share my faith? He doesn't know what I'm going through. It's really interesting because then God, over the next couple of months, really convicted me on this. God was actually calling me to love them. Not to call them out and saying, you're all going to hell, but just to actually love them into the kingdom. And God changed this thing in me where after a few months, I loved nothing more than sharing Jesus with people at work. And I remember this guy that came to faith through me sharing Jesus with him um, and he was baptized and he said to me, you know what, you're going to preach one day. And I'm like, absolutely not. God would never make me preach because he knows, he knows I hate getting up in front of like one or two people even to talk. It'll never happen. And I'm sure God was sitting there going, oh yeah, you reckon? <laughs> God had a different plan, right? He had a totally different plan for my life. But I was in this glue stage when Pastor Stu was preaching that message and I was starting my journey into grow, growing as a disciple, this process of learning that God actually wanted to use me. And when I was learning that God wanted to use my gifts and my talents in service at church for my brothers and sisters in Jesus, but also in my workplace, in my world, in my family, and wherever I found myself. You see, so often we can think that to go on mission means we've got to go overseas on a mission trip. That overseas missionaries are the only people called by God to go and be sent. That's not actually true. Lauren Cunningham, he started Youth with a Mission, YWAM. He says, you're either a missionary or you're the mission field. He says, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're either sharing the love of God or you're someone that needs to hear the gospel yourself. He says, there's no difference between the two. And I was at this learning stage in my discipleship journey that God wanted me to go on mission, not overseas in a faraway country, but God wanted me to go on mission here, in and through the local church, in my workplace, in my family, wherever I found myself. Because here's the thing, God loved people in my church and God loved people at my work and wherever I was and God wanted to use me to show them his love and his grace. And I want to show us today that no matter where we are in our discipleship journey, God is actually calling us to go on mission too in all the areas of your life that you have influence. So a few things I want to cover is we're all commissioned to go. We're all given the mission of reconciliation and we do it all for the glory of God. So the first one is we're all commissioned to go. Romans 10, 13, 15 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace who bring glad tidings of good things. I love this. It starts with a promise. It starts with whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That is a promise from God, that anyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus will be saved. But he says, how will they call on his name if they don't even know about him? Like, how do they come to saving faith if they've not heard about Jesus and what he brings through the cross? And he says, how will they hear if no one's willing to go and preach, if no one's willing to go and tell them the good news of Jesus. 
And how will they hear if no one's actually willing to be sent to go out in the world with the good news? I love it how he wraps up and he says, how beautiful a feat of those who preach good tidings, those that preach the gospel of Jesus. And we need to remember, church, that he's not writing this letter to the pastor. He's writing it to the church. He's writing to each and every person there in the book of Romans that are part of the Roman church. And when you think about it, it's a very logical and sound argument, right? It's like, how are they going to know about Jesus if no one actually goes and tells them? It's impossible. So Paul is calling the church in Rome to what we are calling our church to, and that's to, be, that's to go, to be a sent people, to be on mission wherever you are, wherever you find yourself, that we need to be ready to share the good news of Jesus. Because if no one shares Jesus, then how will people come to know him? How will they repent and be forgiven and receive eternal life? And you might say to me, well, Scott, I'm not called to go. I've not heard God call me. Well, William Booth says, not called, did you say? Not heard the call, I think you should say. Put your ear down to the Bible and hear him bid you go and pull sinners out of the fire of sin. He's like, we haven't heard the call to go. The whole entire Bible is about this story of God reaching out to humanity and calling us as Christians, as followers of Jesus, to share that good news. What if we're a church where we're so on mission for God that wherever we found ourselves, whether we're at church, at work, or whether we're playing, we carry the good news of the gospel? Okay, so we're called. We're called to go. We're called to be sent. We're called to be on mission. But what are we on mission for? Well, the second point is we're given the mission of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 2, 5, 17 starts off, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... If anyone's a a Christian, they are a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God in Christ reconciled the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses or their sin to them and has committed to us that word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he who is Jesus made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus says here, if if, if you are in Jesus, if you are a Christian, if you are in Christ... It means you are a new creation. The old person has died and you are new. You have a new heart and a new spirit that dwells in you. And that new heart and spirit has been reconciled to God. We have ourselves been reconciled to God through the forgiveness of sins, through Jesus Christ. The question is, why do we need to be reconciled to God? What happened? Well, in the beginning, in the garden, we cut ourselves off from God. We rejected him. God made a perfect pure world and we said no thanks we want to know the difference between good and evil we want to be like God and so when we ate of the tree we cut ourselves off from that relationship sin entered into the world and God goes I'm not going to leave him there in that but when we sit there and we think about if we really spend time with ourselves and we think what is this deal with sin where is this sin in me And we notice there is sin in our heart, right? None of us can stand here and say we haven't sinned. We've all sinned against others, we've all hurt others, and we've all sinned against God. 
But what do we do about this problem of sin? It never goes away. When we sin against people, they are hurt. And they carry that through life. And so what do we do with this problem of sin? God said, I will myself will come. I'll live that perfect life that they could not live. I will come in the flesh and when I go to the cross, I'll absorb the sin of the entire world. And when I take it to the grave, it'll be done. And when I rise again, that is victory over Satan, sin and death to say that that is finished. You are now a new creation. When you repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus, Jesus destroys the power of sin in our life. And we've been recipients of this reconciliation. We know the power of grace, right? Of what it's done in our lives. And so God gives us this ministry of reconciliation. It's a commission. It's a calling on each and every one of us. We are therefore ambassadors of Christ. Do you know what an ambassador is? An ambassador is someone who brings the full authority of those that they're representing. So if you're an ambassador of a king or a president, when you speak, when you go and speak on their behalf, you carry the full authority of that. What the Bible is telling us here is we carry, we are ambassadors for the king of kings. And he's decided that the gospel will be proclaimed through us. It says, pleading through us, be reconciled to God. That's you. And me, God wants to use us, not the church, not the famous pastors, but each and every one of us to be reconciled to God. Again, this letter is written to a congregation. Oswald J. Smith says, If God wills the evangelization of the world and you refuse to support missions, then you are opposed to the will of God. You see, God has been reconciling humanity back to himself since the first book in the Bible, Genesis. And every single book after that is all about God's reconciliation of the entire world in and through his son. And we see the completion of that in Revelation where God brings all things back together and makes all things new. It's the message of the entire Bible from start to finish. And this is the hope as Christians that we live in through faith in Jesus Christ. And we're actually given this mission, this commission of reconciliation, and that's God's will. So the thing is, if we refuse this command, this commission, this call to be ambassadors for Jesus, we're opposed to the will of God. We've actually rejected our call and our purpose in life as Christians. And when we reject our purpose, what we do is we find ourselves fighting against the will of God. And let me tell you, when we do that, we just lose our peace. Why do we lose peace? Because the Holy Spirit who lives in you is grieved. We've rejected God's plan and purpose for ourselves and for the world. And when the Holy Spirit is grieved or silenced in our lives, we're actually open to the attack from the ways of the world. And life attacks us and the worries and the sufferings, they overtake us. Did you know that true peace is found in God and in the will of God? Hebrews 13 says, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, made you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. It says, God is the God of peace, and he's reconciled us through the blood of Christ. Jesus shed his blood that we would be reconciled to God. And we actually have here in this scripture a good work to do, which is to do his will. When we do that work, when we do God's will, it's well-pleasing to God. And God's will is that none would perish, that none would separate, be separated from him for eternity. But we need to make that choice. 
First, we need to make the choice to come to saving faith in Jesus, to repent and put our faith and trust in him and be saved. And then we need to make the choice that what is my calling? What is my purpose? And we are called, our purpose is to share the love of Christ. In 2 Peter 3 9, it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. That's God's will. God's will is that people would come to repentance. The context of that, people were saying in the early church, well, when's he coming back? It's been 70 years, he's not coming, and they were getting slack. They weren't going out and sharing the good news of the gospel. And Peter's going, hey, he's not slack concerning his promise, it's coming. But we actually have a job to do. God is not willing that anyone should perish. The question is, are you in line with the will of God? Are you an ambassador for Jesus? What if we were a church submitted to the will of God and we were all ambassadors of Jesus, walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, all ministers of reconciliation to the world? God would work in power far beyond what we could imagine or dream. A church full of ambassadors carrying the full authority of the King of Kings. This leads me to the last point. If we are ambassadors, that means we're representing God in all of our life. Not some of it, all of it. We do it all for the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, it says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Just as I also please men in all things, I'm not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many. Why? That they may be saved. You see, everything Paul did in his life was funneled through the lens of mission. Every decision was brought into line with his calling to preach the gospel. Every word, every deed, even his whole lifestyle, how he lived his life was done to glorify God. You see, Paul was on mission all day, every day for the sake of the gospel and the glory of God. Do we know that Paul worked as a tent maker? When he was going around sharing the gospel and planting all these churches, he was a tent maker and he worked. But he did it all unto the Lord. And he used it for the glory of God and the spreading of the gospel. So do we live for the glory of God or our own gospel? Do we live for our own glory? Do we all do it for our own selves, our own desires? Or do we live life for God's desires? The question is, how do I turn everything I do into being sent? How do I take my work, my family, my pleasures, my gifts, my talents, my finances and use them for the glory of God? How do I have a kingdom mindset? Well, first you need to settle in your heart that your purpose and call in life as a Christian is actually not about you. It's not about your comfort. It's not about your glory. It's about others and it's about the glory of God. And when that's settled in your heart, it actually releases you to see everything in life as an opportunity to share the love of God with people. You see, work is an opportunity that I can use my work to reach people with the gospel. You see, your family is an opportunity to demonstrate the love of God in unity. Your pleasures in life, when you're going surfing, when you're playing whatever sport you like to play, when you're out enjoying yourself, there's an opportunity for people to see Christ in you. You see your finance and you go, God, how can I use this to glorify you? How can I sponsor children, give to missions or give to the church? And we use our gifts and talents for the glory of God. God, how have you gifted me? What gifts have you put on my life that can actually be to your glory? Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. 
Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Have a kingdom of God mindset in all you do. Why? What compels Paul to this kind of dedication, to the laying down of his entire life for the sake of the gospel? Well, it's the love of Christ is real in his heart. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, that's Jesus, then all died. And he died for all, that those who should no longer live for themselves, but live for him who died for them and rose again. We should no longer, as Christians, live for ourselves, for the love of Christ compels us, compels us to love others and love God. Man, if, if we were a church, if we understood the depths of Christ's love for us, what would happen if the love of Christ transformed our hearts so much that we would see the world as Jesus sees it? I mean, look at the cross. It's a picture of devastation, of death, but it's also a picture of the unfathomable love of God for community displayed right there. And love is the most powerful engine in the world. If you're going to be driven by something, be driven by love. Love will outperform greed or pride or position or wealth or influence because all these things, they'll fade away. But love is eternal because the Bible says that God is love. What if we were people so captivated by the love of God displayed through the cross of Jesus Christ that it compelled us to actually submit all of our lives to the glory of God? I love what Jim Elliott says. He says, missionaries are just very human folks just doing what they're asked. Simply a bunch of nobodies trying to exalt somebody. It's what we are, right? We're just average people. I'm an average guy. We're all just average people trying to exalt an extraordinary God. And we're all followers of Jesus. We're all called to be on mission. And the easiest way is in and through the church. That's why so many in, there are so many ways that we can actually serve God and use our gifts to, to love and serve each other. And this was Jesus' plan. Jesus' plan was to be on mission together in and through the church. This was Jesus' vision for the church, that we would come together and love the world. In Matthew 16, 18, he says, I tell you, Peter, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Just prior to this, he says, who do they say I am? He said, some say you're Elijah, some say you're a prophet. And he goes, yeah, but who do you say I am? And Peter goes, you're the son of God. You're the saviour of the world. And he goes, that's right. And he says, on that rock that I am the son of God to take away the sins of the world, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It was Jesus' plan that we would come together as the church and move forward. We are individually called, but we're called in community to be encouraged by one another, to be resourced and strengthened by other believers. We're called to plant churches. I mean, read the book of Acts. How many churches are planted through them going out and being sent, Paul being sent out with Barnabas? They're planting churches all over the place. That was God's idea. And we're actually called to be on mission wherever you are called. Some of you might be feeling a sense of being called somewhere else, that God might be calling you to go on mission or might be calling you to plant a church somewhere in another area. And that's awesome. I would lean into that. Keep asking God, where are you calling me? But some of us are called here in Coolangatta. This is where God is calling us to be effective agents, ambassadors out in the community here in Coolangatta that people may know the love and the grace of God. 
Christopher Wright says, it's not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission is not made for the church. The church was made for mission. God has a mission, and it was his plan and purpose that that would happen in and through the church. And New Life believes in church planting, clearly, because we are a church plant, right? We were planted here two years ago, right at the start of the pandemic. But to hear more about our church planting plans and what we believe God is calling us to, turn your eyes to the screen. We're going to hear from our lead minister of all of our churches, Pastor Michael Hens. J.D. Greer once said, a church should not be judged by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. And here at New Life, we are passionate about this being the truth that drives our mission. We want to be known for sending ministry and marketplace leaders into the world to see more people more like Jesus. And this is the reason why we plant churches. In fact, we plant churches because we believe it's one of the most gospel effective ways to see more of Australia, more of our cities, more people becoming more like Jesus. And over the last four to five years, God has done amazing things through the New Life Church Plants. Three years ago, we planted New Life Brisbane in the heart of the CBD. And since then, we've seen God do incredible things. We've seen over 200 people come to find home at New Life. We've seen over 50 people start following Jesus. We've baptized handfuls of people. And we now find ourselves in a moment where over 90% of our church are invested in small groups and are committed to becoming more people, more like Jesus. We are so excited about what's to come and what God is gonna do next. We planted New Life Coolangatta in February 2020, just a couple of weeks before the pandemic started. But that didn't stop the Spirit of God. We've grown to over 200 people that call New Life Coolangatta home. We are seeing God draw people just from the streets every week. People just walk in to church for the first time to hear the gospel for the first time. And we believe, even though we are a church plant, that we are called to raise up the next generation of leaders, the next generation of church planters. What I love is that God is calling us to move again, to send again, to equip the best of new life, to go into the world, to see more people more like Jesus. And we sense God calling us to go again. Six years ago, we began streaming our services online to reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ than ever before. But we believe that in this era, something new is bubbling up, that the next community we plant will not be a physical location, but a global discipleship community that are passionate about more than just hearing the gospel, but about becoming more like Jesus. Friends, I'm so excited today to let you know that we are launching New Life Online as the next community of faith of the New Life family of churches. It's my delight to introduce you to our New Life Online pastor, Pastor Calvin Masson. I'm excited to be a part of this new adventure with New Life Online. COVID-19 has highlighted the value and the need for a digital ministry. And in our current climate, where technology is rapidly evolving to the point where people are joining online communities, we, New Life, have come to realize the importance of digital ministry. Churches need to adapt and we need to change. Not having one more important than the other, but having them equally important for different reasons. Digital ministry is limitless with the possibilities of reaching people for Jesus with no boundaries. With the old thinking of you come to us, digital ministry changes that thinking to we come to you. 
we believe that New Life Online will exist to provide an experience for people all around Australia and around the world with the ability to engage in genuine community, unique volunteer opportunities, online small groups, and even in-person or online missional opportunities. Now we know that we've been streaming online for a while, but our hope here is to strengthen what God started six years ago and weave these people into community, into small groups that they too might go on mission into the world. But our church planting dreams do not stop there. We believe that God is calling us to continue to ask the question, where else shall we plant? And maybe God might be calling you, which is why in 2022, we're really excited to begin taking steps towards launching the church planting residency at New Life, where we begin to train and form the next ministry leaders of future church plants of the New Life family of churches. That might be you. You might be called to be one of the next church planters at New Life. And we'd love to be asking you to pray and discern and think, hey God, are you calling me to consider what it means to step in and lead, to be trained and formed for ministry that more people might become more like Jesus? If that's the case, we would love to pray for you because we believe that our church will not be judged just by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. Not just sending church planters, but sending lawyers and doctors and fathers and mothers and builders and apprentices and architects that all people might know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, we're so excited about the future that God is calling us into. And we're excited about the part that we all get to play. So good. I never have that timing right to get back up here as that finished. So good. But you know what? As, as a church, as New Life Community, we should be sold out for church planning because we've actually seen the fruit of it over the last 12 months. Like our journey as New Life Coolangatta, where the Twin Towns United Church that was here before humbly laid this place down and said, we're asking you to come to Church Plain here, to bring revival back here, to bring a new, fresh expression of the gospel here in Coolangatta, because we want to see this church. It's been here 100 years. That's the original church next door. It's nearly 100 years old. We want to see the gospel in Coolangatta continue for the next 100 years. We should be a people sold out for church planning. And we are. Our, our commission, our like the fire that is burning in within me is that we would be a church plant that plants churches. That we would raise up the next church planters and, and pastors and leaders and worship leaders and kids life leaders that we would send out from here. And one day we'll be standing here going, these are the people we're sending out for the sake of the gospel. They're going to make disciples. We don't know where that'll be. But that is the heart and the vision of New Life Coolangatta. And we've had church online. It's been such a blessing through this COVID pandemic. The times where we've been in lockdown, we've still been able to gather together, to worship together, to hear God's word, to pray together and still have community. It's been such a blessing. And we don't know that we have such an impact out in the world. There's a church in St. George, and this happens at quite a few churches, where they can't afford a pastor. So they actually gather in their little church on a Sunday and they play our service. And they worship together and they hear God's word and they're still in the community of loving, genuine, Jesus-centered community. And so we're resourcing the wider church for free. We don't charge them. This is the heart of New Life, why we do online services. We want to make genuine community. We want to bring people together in other areas that they might be a few of them all watching our New Life Online in a certain area where they can come together and have small group together throughout the week where they can encourage and love each other. You see, the mission doesn't change. We're just using different ways to get the gospel out there. 
And you know what? It's a great place to invite people. Many people say to me as a pastor, oh, mate, I'd never walk in a church. The walls will fall down. And I'm like, oh, okay. But you can invite them onto online because people these days are willing to go online and check things out first. It's a great front door. We do it ourselves, right? If we're going to go to a restaurant, we look it up online first and we suss out. Is it any good? Is there any bad reviews? That's what people do. It's a front door to people actually coming into relationship with Jesus. And so that's why we're putting so much time and energy into it. But we are committed to planting physical churches as well. And we sacrifice and we do all this that we would see our mission statement be realized in our generation. That's more people, more like Jesus. More people gathered to the gospel. More people glued into loving Christian communities. More people growing as genuine disciples of Jesus. And more people going on mission, all for the glory of God. You know, when I was writing this message this week, this, this scripture came to me. And I really believe it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me to say, this is what you need to tell my church. There's this moment that Jesus is having a conversation with a lady at the well and the disciples come back and they don't know what's going on. And Jesus, in his heart, he knows what he's going to do at the cross. And he knows there's a world out there that needs his sacrificial blood applied to them to be reconciled to God. And he's like, guys, look. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they are already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and, and gathers fruit for eternal life. And both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. Jesus is saying, the world is ripe for harvest. There are so many people out there that I don't have relationship with that are not reconciled to me. Lift up your eyes and see. You know, when Jesus said this, there was only about 200 million people in the world at that stage. We have 6 billion estimated people that don't know Jesus. And he's saying to his church, lift up your eyes. The field is ripe for harvest. I'm looking for laborers. I'm looking for those who are willing to sow and reap for the kingdom of God. I believe the world is ripe for harvest. This consumerism and digital age, it's failed humanity. And people are coming to realize that. Because all it's doing is bringing depression and anxiety and fear and hate and relational separation. And because humanity is realizing this consumerism has failed them, they're looking for an answer. And we have the answer. It's Jesus. What if we were a church so full of people who hear Jesus say, go, who see with spiritual eyes that the field is ripe for harvest? Let's live the life that Jesus actually paid for on the cross. So the question is, where is God calling you to use your gifts and talents? There is a world out there that needs the gospel. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus. Therefore, go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Would you join me in prayer? Jesus, I pray those words that we find in your scripture would be written on our heart. Lord, your call to go, that we would hear that call and we would obey. And I come against the enemy in this space, the enemy who wants to sow fear, 
I come against that in Jesus' name, that God, you want to use each and every one of us to share the good news of the gospel, to share your love and mercy and grace. God, give us spiritual eyes to see that the field is ripe for harvest. And Lord, may we be driven by your unending, unfailing love. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just come even right now. I pray you would call people. Like in this moment, God, I pray you call people into ministry. They would sense that call. Lord, I pray you would call people into the marketplace. Holy Spirit, bring your conviction and call people into wherever they find themselves, whatever area of influence they have, that they would be convicted right now that you want to use them, that you want to share your love with the world, that you are pleading through us, be reconciled to God. Come Holy Spirit, as we worship God, I pray you would speak to us and we would have spiritual ears to hear. And the boldness to step out in faith because you are faithful. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.